Join me as we pray. Lord, we come to you today, uh, many with heavy hearts, and Lord, yet our hope is found in you, and in Christ alone is our call today, and our plead that we would look to you and you alone for all our comfort, all our hope, all our peace, all our joy. Lord, we come to you today to worship you, the almighty God, Savior of the world, that has given us hope that cannot be shattered. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. I pray as we look to your word that you would guide that you would direct, and Lord, that you would encourage our hearts this morning to live more and more in light of your gospel. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we come together, and uh, as I said in our, in our prayer, many of us have heavy hearts as we do think about John and the legacy he's left here, um, specifically at this church and in this world, and uh, a lot of us, I, I believe, are looking for comfort. I think we all look for comfort at times when things don't go the way that we would want them to, times where we don't understand maybe what God is doing, times in which we are confused, times in which we hurt. Uh, times in which we grieve, and it's perfectly acceptable to grieve. It's perfectly acceptable to hurt. It's, it's actually in God's design that we feel emotions. And this morning, maybe there's many emotions that are going through many of our hearts today. Uh, maybe it is sadness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's denial. Maybe it's conviction. I don't know what it is in your heart today that you might be feeling, but I want you to know that you look through Scripture and people feel, and it's okay to feel. And we shouldn't disguise that or try to think that we're somehow weak if we mourn or if we grieve. Now, the Bible is very truthful. As we've looked at this passage several times, if you think about the First Thessalonians passage, we do grieve, but we grieve as people who have hope. And this morning, what I want to take some time to look at as we think about comfort is that our hope is found in nothing else and no one else than Jesus Christ. We've sang about that all morning and... Um, other than Janice sending me an email yesterday saying, hey, these are the songs that I'm thinking about doing, we didn't really say, okay, this is what I'm preaching, this is what you're singing, let's put it all together, and yet we come together and we sing all about the hope that Christ offers, and that's exactly what we're going to go to today as we look at Scripture. God is amazing, God is pointing this out, and I hope that you take the time to consider what God is saying to you this morning. The truth about comfort is many of us try to find comfort in many different ways. And uh, for you, it might be different than me. Um, For me, I'll just admit it, sometimes when I need to be comforted, I run to food. That's easy for me because food tastes good and it makes me feel better about myself. And it's got me in some trouble, if you might see that. But, But maybe it is food for you or maybe... In times of comfort, you might run to something else. Uh, And I don't know what that might be. Maybe it's another person in your life. Maybe you will cling to that person to give you hope or to give you comfort at the times that you're hurting. And, or or maybe it's, it, maybe it's a sin. It's it's an outright sin that you know you keep going back to because it comforts you and, and you feel, it makes you feel better. Or or maybe it's not a sin, but it's just, it's something that you are constantly drawn to to find your hope in. Maybe it's, maybe it's sports. Maybe you find comfort in just entertainment and just escaping the world for a while and just putting your mind on neutral and just 
not thinking about anything. Maybe that's where you find your comfort. Uh, This morning, I I think scripture is very clear that our comfort uh, is not found in any earthly thing. Our comfort is not found even, uh, and we've talked about this before too, and I, I don't mind saying this, our comfort isn't even found in the idea that we have rewards in heaven, although that is a very true statement. Uh, It's not about what we can get out of life, but our comfort comes out of Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus Christ, what he's done, who he is, what he's accomplished, if we want to find comfort is to go to him. We don't have uh, notes in the bulletin this week, but if you want to kind of, if you're jotting down some notes, I've got a few points here, but really what we're talking about is Christ is our comfort. Christ is our comfort, and that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, here's the thing that God does so many times, right? So you'll come to, the, you'll come to Scripture, and you'll read Scripture, and you'll, you'll start to learn from Scripture, and then as you're learning, God usually brings something in your life that says, all right, now that you've been learning this, now that you've seen this in Scripture, now that you've put it in your heart as you're learning, now let's put it put some feet on it, because I'm going to bring a situation into your life where you're going to have to look at Scripture, what you know and what you believe and what you've learned, and you're going to have to apply it. You're going to have to look at it and say, look, it's more than just that I know it up here now, but it's in my heart and it's going to live out in my situation. And I feel like we are in that place now, as for several weeks now, we've been looking at the book of Colossians. And I'm going to do a little bit of a recap of Colossians for those who maybe haven't been with us, maybe you have been with us. I'm not just preaching in Colossians because that happens to be where I am, but I truly believe with all my heart that God has had us in this journey of going through Colossians, constantly being pointed back to Jesus Christ, constantly being pointed that he is superior and he is uh, sovereign over all, and we've been reminded of that time and time again, and now we come to a place in our church and in our personal lives where it's time to say, do we truly trust that Jesus is superior, that Jesus is sovereign, that Jesus is the only hope that we can cling to? And so let's take some time this morning, if you want to turn to Colossians with me, as we review a few things that we've talked about. We're going to go back to what we've already seen, and I believe we can see where God is directing us. Even now, in this midst of mourning, in this midst of grieving, we can be comforted in the hope that Christ and Christ alone can give us. So we're going to start in Colossians this morning, and then we're going to go to a few other passages throughout Scripture. And we will see without any shadow of a doubt that this morning that what we are to understand is that our only hope and our only comfort is indeed through Christ and Christ alone. So we're going to be, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look back at, at starting in uh, verse 15. And uh, some of the background of this book, we've been through it, but this, this church is trying to figure out a way uh, to understand that Christ is superior over any other belief system and they can't mix anything with it. And in the midst of this is one of the greatest theological statements made probably in all of Scripture. I don't say that to say that the rest of Scripture isn't important because obviously it is. But this statement that is made by Paul as the Spirit uh, in, tells him to, to write this is one of the greatest things that we can cling to in any time of our life. And this starts in chapter 1, verse 15 of the book of Colossians. It says here, He, speaking of Jesus of course, He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things 
hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And we could continue and go on, but I want to focus just on that few verses here that we've looked at in Colossians as we understand who Jesus is. I want to say Christ is our comfort, and the first way we find comfort, comfort is found in the preeminence of Christ. Comfort is found in the superiority of Christ over everything in life. If you look at this passage, we see that it's clear that Paul is making the case, if you remember, if you were with us, that Jesus being the firstborn means that he is over all and he is in control of all, that he is sovereign over all. There is nothing that doesn't fall under his sovereignty. There is nothing that doesn't fall out of his hands. There is nothing that happens that surprises Jesus. Jesus not only created the world, as he goes on to say, he's the firstborn of all creation, and then by him all things were created. And then it goes on and says, all things were created through him and for him. So we see that Jesus, remember, he was the source of creation. He was the agent of creation and he was the purpose of creation. And so all things come together for Jesus, in Jesus, by Jesus. And we see that he is the creator. And then we read this beautiful thing after this where it says, yes, Jesus is the creator God. If you remember, we talked about that. And there is no question that Jesus is God and he created all things and therefore is sovereign over all things. And then we see this beautiful phrase in verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage teaches us, in no uncertain terms, that Jesus is the one that is sovereign over the affairs of this world. That everything that happens is held together by him and him alone. There's not random acts of fate that change his mind on things. There's not things that happen that surprise him, as I said. He holds everything together, and by implication, that means when things don't hold together the way we want them to or think they should, that there is a reason because he is still Lord over creation. He is Lord over everything. And therefore, when things happen, like a death of someone that we love so dearly, or anything else that might come into our life that wants to just hit us hard, yes, maybe it surprises us and maybe it makes us upset, but God and Jesus Christ has not been surprised, and if he is the one holding things together, then that means when things do come apart that he does it as for a purpose. And so we have comfort in the preeminence of Christ, that Christ is sovereign and knows all and is in all and is working all things together for his glory. He's working all things together for good, as we read in Romans, but that good we know is not just about our good, it's about his glory as well, that we become more and more like Christ, and that is what he wants for us is that we will look to him to find comfort in the fact that he is preeminent and superior over all else. He is the creator and the sustainer, and therefore he is sovereign. And as this passage continues, he reminds us again of why this is the case. As he continues on, and then he says, uh, that, and he is the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus rose again from the dead. He died, he suffered, he bled, he was the worst trial anyone could ever face, and yet he came through that. He came through that, and not only did he come through that, he completed the death that he was required to give for our salvation, and he rose again and said, death is no longer have control over me, and therefore I have power over death, and you can come to me, and even in death and even in despair, I have the supremacy, I have the power. I have defeated all things through my resurrection. That is what Jesus has done. Jesus, through his resurrection, has proven that he indeed is sovereign, and he is preeminent. 
He is superior over all else. And that is where we can find comfort because we know that God is in control. We know that Christ is holding us together and he's holding everything in his hands and he knows what he's doing. But it doesn't just stop there because if we just stop there, that can, that can lead us to a point where we get pretty angry with Jesus, right? Because we're thinking, okay, I know you're holding everything together. You're sovereign over all things. I can believe that. Then, then you're not that good of a God then because I see all this bad stuff happening. And so I don't understand. If bad stuff is happening, then how can we say that you're sovereign and still trust you as a good God? And, and many people have not come to Jesus for this very reason. Because they will say, look, I can't believe in a God who lets evil happen. And we could spend a whole other day talking about the origin of evil. And the simple truth is this. God did not create evil. Uh, evil came as a result of selfishness and rebellion and has destroyed the world and cursed the world. And that's why we have death. That's why we have disease. That's why we have suffering. And it's not God's fault. It is our fault. And we can't blame him for that. And yet in all of that, he still is working his plan out to show himself glorious throughout all of this. And so we start to get to this point, okay, well, if Jesus is preeminent and Jesus is sovereign, we also need to understand that Jesus is good, that he is a good, sovereign God. He is not a sovereign God that just wants to play chess with us. He is a sovereign God who loves and cares for us and loves us so much that he came to us and he became one of us. And that's where we're going to go next. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews uh, is a, is a, we've looked at this before as we looked at Colossians, but the book of Hebrews is really a parallel passage, a parallel book to the book of Colossians. Many of the things that are talked about in Colossians are said in different ways in Hebrews. And um, because of that and other reasons, many people do believe that this is Paul that's the writer. We don't know for sure who's written Hebrews. But we see some very similar things to what we've seen in Paul's writings in Colossians. So we're going to be in Hebrews. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So first we've got to remember, keep in mind from Colossians, that what we've been looking at is that Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is in control. And therefore we can have hope and we can have comfort in that fact. But we also have comfort in the fact that Jesus empathizes with us, that he came to be with us and he understands us and he is a good and gracious God. So as we go to Hebrews 4, we're going to look at verse 14 through the end of the chapter here. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How beautiful is this, is we understand that Jesus is the creator, right? Jesus is creator God. Jesus is in control of all things, and yet Jesus did something amazing. As we read here, a great high priest, he has come to bridge the gap that we have between God and us. That gap that had been created by sin, that had been proven by death entering the world, that gap that we couldn't access God any longer because of our imperfection, we, were not, we could not reach his glory and Jesus comes to be the great high priest, to be the go-between that gives us access to God completely. And he does that by coming to earth. He does that by dying for our sins. But in the process of all of that, we read this in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We've talked about this passage a while ago. I don't remember which sermon it was. And we look at this and understand that what this passage is talking about is that Jesus knows what it means to suffer. It's not so much that he was tempted in the same way you and I are as far as tempted to sin, because he didn't have a sin nature. But what it does tell us is that Jesus knows what it feels like to be human, because he is human. He was a man, he is God, he is both. And therefore he can, as the creator God, he comes to take on human flesh and become like us so he can understand us, so he can... He feels what we feel. He knows what it's like to grieve. He lost people. He watched suffering. He suffered himself. He knows what it's like to be a human. He knows what it's like to suffer. And that gives us comfort. Because now we connect it with what we just looked at. And if we know that the sovereign God who created all things in Jesus Christ is also loving us enough to become like us, to sympathize with us, to empathize with us, to understand what it means to be human and to hurt and to suffer, then we can start having comfort in knowing that the God who saved us knows us and cares about us. He is good. And as we're then, we're we're led to go on to verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in the, uh, grace in the, and help in the time of need, as we, read, as we read here in Hebrews. Jesus came to be our high priest, to be our go-between, to give us access to God, to die for us, to pay the penalty for us, to experience suffering, to become that man so that he could suffer for our sins. And he did all that, and it says now, since we know that, we can come to God in confidence and that we can ask for mercy and find grace and the help and, and help in the time of need. That's where we're at. And we come to Hebrews and we say, where do we go? Where do we go for comfort? Well, we go to the sovereign God who cared enough about us to come down, experience life as a person, know what it's like to suffer, and now we can come and we know he understands what we're praying for. We know, we know he understands us. And as a body, we can come before him and we can say, we are here and we need mercy, we need grace, we need help, and he will give it to us. The sovereign God who created this world is also the the loving God, the good God who will give us grace and mercy when we need it most because he knows what it's like to suffer. And we can have great hope and we can have great comfort in that. I want to move over just two chapters here in Hebrews and the same point as we think about comfort is found in the empathy or the love of Christ. Uh, In in Hebrews chapter 6, this is a verse that I would challenge all of us to memorize and hold on to, especially during the times of trouble. Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm just going to read the one verse, and there's a greater context here that I would encourage you to read. I would encourage you to read all of Hebrews. It is a great comforting book. And so we're going to go to one specific verse, but please feel free at some point to read through all the verses around it. And in chapter 6, verse 19, as we're still talking about the idea that Jesus is the high priest, this is what we read in chapter 6, verse 19 of Hebrews. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This passage is very powerful. We live... We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. When storms come, when life is tossing us around, we need an anchor. That's what we're looking for. That's the comfort we need, that anchor that will anchor us. 
And, and so what, do we try, what we try to look for so many times, though, what Hebrews says is, look, no, this is your anchor for your soul. This is the hope that you have. And he says it's all about Jesus. He says where Jesus has gone before us on our behalf, having become a high priest. He is for us. Jesus is for us. He's for himself first and foremost. He is for his glory. But he is for us. We see that in this passage. He says, look, I'm going to be your anchor. I have come before you. I went through life. I suffered what I needed to suffer on your behalf so that I could become a high priest, so you can have access to God the way I do. And so that access now that we have, that we just talked about in chapter 4, is now seen again in this idea of that is our anchor. The confidence that we have before God is what we can anchor ourselves to in the times of trouble, in the times of uncertainty, in the times of grieving. The anchor we find is in Christ and Christ alone. The sovereign God who has created all, the loving Savior who has suffered with us, We can have comfort in those things. One final passage this morning that I feel we need to go to, and this has been, and many of you will know this passage because John has been talking about this passage for a very long time. It's in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, and I think this is the reminder that we can leave ourselves with as we think about the comfort we find in Christ. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. And many of you will recognize these verses as they've even been out there on social media everywhere for the last couple days. But in verse 7 of Romans chapter 14, we read this. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. John reminded of this probably weekly as there was many times he mentioned this passage, and especially to me, he would say this passage, and, and we look at this passage, we can find comfort in this. As we've looked at the fact that Christ is the sovereign creator and he is the sustainer of all life, we've looked at the fact that Christ is our high priest. He's the one that can sympathize with us. He knows what it means to suffer and therefore we can find comfort in him. Now we come to this point where we can find comfort in the fact that Jesus is Lord. The lordship of Christ can give us comfort. Here in, verse four, or in chapter 14, chapter, verse 7, we are reminded here that we don't live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. And if we die, we don't die for ourselves, but we die for him. Every part of our life, in life and death, and everything else in between is all about him. At least it should be. And that's between you and God if that's where you're at. And we'll get to that as we conclude here. But what we see the truth is here. As Paul is saying, he's like, look, if we live, we live to Jesus. If we die, we die to Jesus. He says, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Here's the reason we live for Jesus. It's not because we somehow reach inside ourselves and say, hey, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to serve Jesus because that's what I should do. No, what Romans says is the reason that we live for Christ is because we are Christ's. He owns us. He's our Lord and he is 
But he, we, are, he, we are his possession. And therefore, since he is ours and he, our, we are his, therefore we live for him and we die for him. Everything in our life is rooted in him. There is nothing that happens, life nor death, nor anything else that we can think of, that is anything that can tear us away from him because we are his. He has taken possession of us. And if God, if the sovereign Creator and sustainer of the world who loves us unconditionally to the point of sending his son to become uh, the high priest that we needed. That same God, that same Christ, that same Messiah that we have seen as creator and that is the high priest, now we are told is also the one who has us, who owns us, who possesses us, who loves us and who is wrapping himself around us. Think about that. The creator God, the loving God, has chosen to take his people and say, you are mine. You are mine no matter what happens. So come life, death, come suffering, come trial, come hardship, come anything. You are mine. And so we can have hope and we can have comfort in that truth. So then Paul again reminds us in verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And he reminds us again of why we can have hope and comfort in Christ. And it's because Christ died, he suffered, he died for our sins. He rose again to say sin and death had no longer had any power. And he has defeated that. And you know what? So when we see the death that we see in this life, when we see the sin that is overtaking our world, when we see tragedy happen, understand that even though it happened, Christ is still greater. Christ is still our comfort, and no matter what happens, he is greater. And so therefore we can find comfort, and we can find comfort in Christ. And his death and resurrection has proven that. And I would say this without any question or hesitation whatsoever. This is how John was living his life, and this is what he would want for you to do. Romans fourteen seven through 9 Since you are the Lord's, if you have accepted Christ, since you are the Lord's, live like it. Live like you are the Lord's because you are. And so as we have hope, we have hope and we have comfort, but it comes in Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't run to other things for comfort. Don't run to other people. Don't run to food. Don't run to sin. Don't run to uh, entertainment. Don't run to anything else. It's just going to be temporary. It's not going to fill your heart. What's going to fill your heart with hope, what's going to fill your heart with comfort is going to be to run to Jesus and run to Jesus alone. And we need to, we need to do that as a body. We need to do that together. We need to run to Jesus together and not try to run our own race, but to run together in this. And we can and we will because we are the Lord's. And as we look at these passages, we can have confidence and we can have hope and we can have comfort because the God who created this world and loves us enough to become one of us is also our Lord and is also the one who is guiding and directing us. And so a few final thoughts and then we're going to go to communion. And I think this blends directly into communion if you think about it. Uh, What are we remembering? We're remembering Christ. We're remembering his death. We're remembering what he's done for us. We're remembering who he is. We're remembering who we are in him. And as we remember that when we come to communion, it's going to be a beautiful representation and a beautiful reminder of what it is that our hope and our comfort and everything that we should be about is about, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. 
And so when we face this time and we come together, we are not here just to remember uh, the good things a man did. We could do that. And next week we will do that. And, but yet we're here to remember more than that. We're here to remember Jesus. We're here to remember what he's done. We're here to remember what difference he made in John's life, what difference he's going to make in our lives if we will simply let him. And so if you're here today and you have not come to know Jesus Christ, I will not let this opportunity go by to say this. You need Jesus. There is no question. There is nothing else that can satisfy. There is nothing else that can give you any real hope in this life. If you want real hope and you want real comfort and you want to see truth, come to Christ. Christ is saying, come to me. Even that song, come to me, who you are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, Jesus says. He says, look, I lived a perfect life. I know what it's like to be a human. I came to earth. I suffered. I even died for sin, for the sin that we've all committed, that selfish things, those selfish things that we've done. He died for that, and he rose again to say, look, that sin, that death, I am more powerful than that. Come to me and you can defeat that sin and death because I have already defeated it for you. And that's what Jesus says. And he's saying today to you, if you have not come to Jesus, if you have not come to him and said, Lord, I want you are everything to me. I believe in everything you are. And please take my life and take me and make me yours. If you haven't done that and you haven't come to faith in him, if you haven't turned your way away from yourself and turned towards him, then today is the day to do it. Don't wait any longer. You don't know how much longer you have. Don't wait until you know your time is coming, drawing near before you commit your way to Christ. It'll be a waste of a life if you wait. It'll be a waste of what God is calling you to. So please, if you have not come to Christ, come to him. And then for the rest of us, who are hurting, who are feeling, who are grieving, as I said before, run to Christ. Don't run to other things. I could give you a list of things that you could apply to your life as far as we think about how do we live for Jesus in light of the fact that we're in him. I could give you a list, but I, just search within yourselves, especially as we go to communion. Search within your heart. Search within your selves and also with one another search where it is that we can live more like christ and remember that he is the one that is holding us and he is the one that gives us comfort and whatever that is in your life that you feel like you need to give up to him that you need to surrender to him that you need to say i need to find comfort in you and you alone make today the day you make that right it's a daily process by the way you could do it today but you still do it every day christ is our comfort and we need to understand that and we need to live like it. With that being all said, let's move on right into communion as we're going to celebrate and remember the death of Jesus um, and remember that he is the greatest. He is the most. He is the ultimate comfort. And so if the ushers that are prepared to come forward to do communion could come forward, please. It's not much to add to that final song. Isn't it Jesus? Isn't that all we need? And it is. I'm going to leave you with one simple verse, but I think it gives us all the comfort we could ever hope for in knowing that God is with us. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless. Amen.